Hey everyone, what is up and welcome to the Lifestyle Lifters Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today, I interviewed 71-year-old David Kelly. For all of our listeners out there, David is an avid gym goer. He trained six to seven days a week at the age of 71. And honestly, the first time I saw him in a gym in Marbella, as he says himself, you would not think he's a day past 40. Absolutely phenomenal shape. And today's episode is just so, so powerful. David is someone who's walked the walk, who talks the talk, and he just describes the importance of training the body, training the mind. How he dealt and overcame numerous challenges in his life. But one thing that he did not leave by was the fitness. And he just shares some tips. He shares a remarkable story about his brother, of how having a healthy body carried over to him, having a healthy mind and being able to fight cancer. And David just finishes off our episode talking about the one thing universal to us all we want to build on, and that is confidence. And as David says himself, something that really resonated with me, confidence is a habit. So this episode, it really dives deep into the fitness, the lifestyle, the sustainability, and also just building yourself from the inside out. And for anyone out there listening, to stop seeing your body and your mind as like two separate entities, seeing them as one. And when you train the body, you train the mind. That's how you really and truly fulfill your potential. So a lot of value in this episode. It's one that's going to get you freaking pumped to work out, to train, to do something, to fulfill your potential. So I won't leave you waiting any longer. Without further ado, here's this week's episode with the one and only David Kelly. So are you? David. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, David. Yeah, very welcome, Adrian. Very welcome. David, before I get you to share your backstory and a bit about yourself, David, share something about yourself that most people do not know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, I, when I'm in the gym, basically, people are, are very surprised to know that I'm 71 and not in my, you know, sort of late 50s, 60s. Um, they, they, I, I suppose that the the length of of years that I have in in terms of, of of arriving at seventy one has given me a sort of different perspective on on life. I look at people who are fifty years of age, and they they behave more like ninety years of age because they get little exercise, bad diet, um, the bad posture, they have different illnesses, and you think you know if only they had looked after themselves, if only they had put in a a few hours in effort when they were a bit younger, taking care of their diet and taking care of the body. And I learned that, I think at about 17 or 18 years old when I started the gym. And one of the things that inspired me was I met an 80 year old man who was training as hard as anybody else was. He, he lived about 15 miles from the gym and he cycled to the gym every day on his bicycle. Imagine that at 80 years wow. of age. He worked out for about 90 minutes. And I went over to him one day and I asked him, you know, um, what age he was. And when he told me, I was, I was kind of shocked. 
But then, uh, you know, when I dug a bit deeper, I said to him, I mean, how do you have so much energy at 80? He says, well, I, I don't really know, but he says, I've always been keeping fit. But he said, I only gave up smoking five years ago. The doctor told me that I was smoking too much. Now, at 80 years old, smoking up to 75. But he said, I think what stood to me, he said, was the, the level of, of fitness that I've kept up all of my life. I've always been active, he said, and I've always loved exercising. And I, I remember looking at him and saying, my God, if I could get to 80 and be like him and be as fit and as active and as healthy and mentally alert as he was, then I'd be happy. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was that was a, a big eye opener for me. And then the other thing is that I trained with a lot of sports people in Dublin at the time because there was very few gyms available. Yeah. I, I trained in the Stillorgan Health Center out in Stillorgan. What, what year are we talking roughly oh. here, David? Uh, you're going back 54 years. Okay. Yeah. 54 years ago. That's wow. that's, that's quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so around the around the seventies, um, yes. late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, 80. keep going, David. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, the 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 funny thing was, you had all the sports stars, you had all the radio presenters, you had the top legal people. All, all of them went to this particular gym, and the mix of clientele was fascinating. Um, and and I, I think that sort of introduced me to the camaraderie in a gym were the different personalities. I mean, they all had different bodies. They all had different ways of exercising. Some, some only came for the chat. Some came for a little bit of exercise because it would allow them to drink four more pints that night. Some of them came in after a very hard night, wiped out totally and thought, rather than go to the doctor, they go to the gym and they'd be ready for another session the next night. And then of course you had the, the, the ones that were very serious about their health and, and you know, kept up the daily routine and the exercise. But yeah, and I think that's what started me off was, was the, the sort of the camaraderie in the gym. Then I kind of fell in love with it. And then I realized, you know, after a year or two, my body was changing, really yeah. changing. And I was really muscled up. But at that stage, of course, when you're that young, 17, 18 and 19, all I had to do was look across the room at the weight and my bicep grew. I mean, you were so full of testosterone. You didn't even need to lift the weight. You just thought about lifting <laughs> it. You thought, wow, I just have a pump. And I always remember that lovely feeling coming out of the gym when I slipped back on my shirt and my shirt sleeve was tight and my chest was tight. Actually, I used to do a little party piece when I was about 2021. 20, I used to take a deep breath and go and pop all the buttons on my shirt, especially if there was ladies around, you know. Just, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you're much younger and you're in your 20s, you're so full of testosterone that it's so easy to get a pump. And it just, it's just so motivating to get that. It just drives you in, into the gym. You know, you're half an hour in there and you're, you're feeling absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Um, whereas at 71, I'm two hours into it and I'm wondering, is it growing today? <laughs> <laughs> well, but still, you know, it's amazing. At 71, Adrian, I have, I have to say, I'm still growing muscle. You know, I mean, something that I thought wasn't possible. I'm still growing. My chest is still expanding. You know, my, my arms are getting bigger. My shoulders are, are, are getting heavier. It's, it's amazing. So, you know, I, I think we can go on building muscle up into our 90s. I've seen 80-year-olds, 81-year-olds, magnificent bodies, as good as a 50-year-old, a 45-year-old. Bodybuilder, I'm talking, you know. Who's to say otherwise? 
Well, yeah, I, I think everything is individual. Everything is personal and everything really depends on your own attitude, mentality or the new buzzword for it now is mindset, which is really, you know, our attitude to life and, and, and the way we take on our problems, the way we take on our experiences and the way we deal with life in general is, is, is really down to, to the attitude we develop. Some people end up very cynical. Some people are, are sort of cranky and always looking for a fight. Some people are very relaxed and happy. Other people are able to. People, you know, have one or two problems and they're in the mental home. It's, it's how we deal with life. It's how that attitude of mind, you know, if everything is positive, everything's going to be wonderful. If you're that negative type of attitude where everything's a crisis, everything's a problem. And what's the point in going to the gym because I'll never build muscle anyway and I won't stay at the gym. That kind of attitude, you know, kills the sort of zest for life, ruins the motivation. And so, so just speaking of life then, David, how do you feel that the, the benefits, the physical benefits you see inside the gym, how does that carry through and how has that carried through to help you in other areas of your life? Oh, it's magnificent. You know, when you have the 19-year-old and 20-year-old girls running after you, it's just, you know, it just gives you a great buzz. No, I mean, the, the, the great thing about it is that you have bundles of energy. So no matter what you want to tackle, no matter what you want to do, and I still have a great love for business, a great interest in business, I'm occupied all day long. Um, if I'm not occupied in some manual work, I'm stuck in a book. I'm studying either marketing, studying some parts of business. I'm discussing business with other people. I'm doing a little bit of business. And, and really, uh, I don't think there's such a thing as retirement. I mean, that's, you know, the old sort of uh, attitude that when you reach 65, or, or I'm going to retire when I'm 60, and I'm going to have enough money to retire when I'm 55. I mean, what is retirement? I mean, it's just like, it's like as if our body goes dead, our brain goes dead, and, and we don't want to sort of live anymore. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Most people who retire early want to get back to work as quickly as possible because they realize it's, it's a boredom state. I mean, yeah. retirement is, is fine. You know, months in and you think, oh, my God. And then there's an enormous amount of people who die within seven years of retiring. So, and I'll be one of them. Yeah, I'm going to retire when I'm 110. And <laughs> just going back to the fitness, David. So just a lot of our yeah. listeners here, David, they are working yeah. professionals and, you know, That's everything it. comes in season. And some, some, some listeners, they may be changing jobs. Some, they have to travel every now and yeah. then. David, I mean, you can speak firsthand. You, you've been to... There's more countries you have than haven't visited at this stage. You've been traveling a lot. But one thing exactly. you have managed yeah. to keep consistent since the age of 17, 54 yes. years on is the fitness. So just tell us, like, speak to speak to that kind of individual out there, David, who finds that, you know, when they have a bit of structure and routine, it's not too difficult to follow. But then when they kind of travel, that's where they just leave the fitness aside and and let other areas take over. What kind of advice could come you give? Let, let, let me sum it up in a short sentence for you. Business is wonderful if you're alive long enough to enjoy it. Now, when business gets stressful, um, people tend to overeat, overdrink, overmedicate. And business is stressful. When, when you're in a business environment, 
I mean, you've got a collection of experiences every day that are, are showing up problems that you have to solve. Now, you're in that situation in terms of mental uh, situation, which is causing great stress on the body. You have to have a stress reliever. And my advice to everybody, everybody that's in business or are working at a normal job, find some time in the day for exercise. It's the best de-stressor in the world. There is nothing like it. After half a workout, 45 minute workout, if you can spare an hour, horrific. But you feel so much better. That stress falls away. It's, it's like a safety valve. It's brilliant for your heart, for your circulation, for your blood pressure, for your overall general health, for your overall well being, and for your mental health. Do not ever neglect the body because body and mind are one. Any man that's working the mind, all day, every day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, will not live as long as he would like and will not have the lifestyle that he would like. Because there will be times when the heart will give up, there will be heart attacks, there will be pressure, there will be medication, there will be diabetes, there will be all kinds of illnesses come with that stress. Now, the money is terrific, but how are you going to spend it from a hospital bed? So I'd say to any businessman, Make sure there's a balance in your life. And if you can possibly do it, make it every single day of your life for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, one hour, two hours if you can spare it. Physical exercise will improve you as a person and will help you to improve your business because you'll have a better attitude to it. That's what I would recommend for everybody. Any business plan. When I was a traveling sales engineer in car, driving hundreds and hundreds of miles every week, I all stopped on my journeys. Got did a little bit of exercise, did a little bit of walking, did a little bit of flexing. And I where I was going, that hotel had to have a gym or it had to have a gym close to it. Otherwise I wouldn't stay there. And I would travel extra miles to find somewhere where I could exercise. Because I knew, I knew I would do more business. I knew I would be a better sales engineer. I knew that my attitude would be improved because body and mind are one. So you use the body to exercise the mind. And the mind, sometimes, you know, when the mind gets tired, the body takes over. Yeah. And when the body is suffering, the mind takes over to help the body. Now, the mind is always the master, but the body is a miraculous help to the mind. As in cases where people get depressed, what do they do? They send people for, on long walks, they send them on holidays, they send them out into the community to mix because depression is something that's you know, caused in the mind. And yes. if you're focusing exclusively on the mind, you've got nothing else to help you with. So use your body and train your body and keep the body fit. Keep it in the best possible condition you can you know i always say to people adrian you know i see the guy he's just bought 120,000 mercedes and he's out every day and he's shining and polishing doing up the wheels making sure it's serviced making sure it has the best of petrol you know only put the expensive stuff in only put the the best mechanic on the job and yet and yet in his own body he dumps in rubbish every day he abuses it drinks alcohol maybe a little drugs maybe a little weed or whatever he's doing I mean, can you imagine taking that Mercedes and pulling it up 
you know, it's a diesel Mercedes and putting petrol in instead of diesel or filling it up with milk, filling it up with water and expecting it to run, expecting it to be okay. Well, I'm of the opinion, Adrian, that because he spent 120,000 on his Mercedes and body for nothing, that mindset is, well, you know, I didn't pay for the body. It'll be okay. But when you pay, if you had to pay 150,000 for your body and you had to ensure before your death that that 150 grand was paid back, if the body was in good condition, okay. If it's in bad condition, you have to double it or triple it. 150,000 at the end of it. Everybody would take care of the body. It's just a mindset, you know? The value was on the Mercedes because we had to pay for it. We, we had to work hard and we had to save the money and we got it. We got the body for nothing. So we don't appreciate the body. And David, for anyone so struggling to get into the mindset, the routine, it's been ingrained in you, David, since you were 17. But, you know, for other people, there's different seasons in life. And for one reason or another, it's just some people out there listening that maybe it's not as much of a habit. And, and like, just for context uh, to all our listeners, I mean, uh, when I joined into our team, Jim here in Marbella, <laughs> like one thing was certain that David Kelly would arrive in every single morning around 7, 7.30 a.m. and you'd be lifting weights. Uh, just to give him just part of your routine. But for someone there out there listening, David, that would like to at least get into the habit and the routine of doing this, like, can you kind of share some tips as to what might be just some good start points for them? in terms of motivation or in terms of physical exercise itself in terms i guess more so the motivation side david well yeah i mean i remember uh when my son was a very young teenager and he was sitting around the house and he was bored and all i kept hearing for days and then i'm bored dad what i'm going to do i'm bored so i put him in the car and i took him to the graveyard and I brought him around the headstones and I said, you know, Robbie, I said, a lot of these guys would give their left arm to be bored. They're dead. They're never coming back. I said, you have a life to live. How could you possibly say that you're bored? There's so many things for you to do. There's so many places for you to go. It's in your mind that you're bored. I say the same to people that, Think of a friend that you know who has cancer. Think of a friend who's paralyzed. Think of somebody who's riddled with arthritis and can't walk properly. Think of somebody with MS. Think of all those diseases that we can get that are going to come upon us, maybe by accident. You have the privilege of being well now, and you have the opportunity of staying well. And all it takes is 15 to 30 minutes a day. That's all it takes out of your day to watch your diet, eat properly, exercise properly. Start with walking, move on from walking to a little bit of, of weight-bearing exercises, weight-bearing exercises for your bones, for your skin. Most men at 35 to 40 nowadays with their beer drinking that suffer from sarcopenia, that is loss of muscle mass and the skin is hanging and they got man boobs and the tummy is swollen. And it's, it's, it's sad to see that. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And all it takes is 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm saying to people who can't work up the motivation <clears throat> to exercise, 
look around you, look at the sick, visit a hospital. Take 10 minutes out of your day and go to the graveyard and think, there's a young boy who died at 18. There's another man who's gone at 29. How long am I going to live? What kind of, 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 of a lifestyle should I live to try and extend my life as much as possible? And that is eating properly and exercising. The two go together. So and that's what I'd say to anybody that needs some motivation. Now, you know my story, you know me, and I told you my brother has four cancers. Yeah, would yeah? you mind sharing that, David? Yeah, this is yeah. amazing. My, my, yeah. my, my, my brother is a physiotherapist in, in Ireland. Uh, he developed prostate cancer um, and they operated on him. And unfortunately, I had to operate very deeply, which meant that, you know, he was, for all the world, castrated. So he was happy to be alive. He was happy that, you know, they did whatever they had to do. And uh, they pronounced him absolutely perfect, cured, gone. Six weeks later, he went back for his checkup and the <clears throat> testosterone was spreading around his body like wildfire and they couldn't understand it. <clears throat> so then they start to say, okay, we need to give you some more uh, chemo. And they had nuclear bone scans and gave them chemo. And then they gave them, not chemo, I beg your pardon. They gave them radiation, about 30 doses of radiation, which literally burned his insides. It wasn't stopping exactly the, the, the spread of, of the, the gene, the cancer gene from the prostate. So they sent him to Germany to a special hospital that could identify the gene. And they discovered that it landed on his lung and his hips and his stomach. So they then focused the, the, the uh, radiation on those parts and he, he started to get better. But unfortunately then he got sick again and he developed, um, I think, yeah, the name was sepsis, which is you know a bacterial infection in the hospital, which nearly killed him. Then after that, he got pneumonia. And then he, um, after the pneumonia, they said to him, you know, he would have to really take it easy uh, because he was almost on death's door when, when they got him to the hospital after the pneumonia. Yeah. He only got home from the hospital. After getting out of the hospital, the doctors rang him and asked him to come back immediately. He was on, sitting on the bed having a cup of tea. It was the next morning after being discharged. And they said, you have to come back immediately. And they had very bad news for him. So when he went in, they told him he had, they had uh, found that he had acute myeloid leukemia, blood disease, and they gave him three weeks to live. And that's all they could do for him. <clears throat> three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Three weeks to live. And he made his will. Um, he put all his affairs in order. And then he, he, he asked the doctors, he said, like, do I have a puncher's chance? And the doctor said, well, only it's you, AK. I, I would say no, but I mean, you're going to have so many bags of chemotherapy that would destroy your heart. You know, it'd probably kill you anyway. And he said, well, let's do it. So they gave him an enormous amount of chemo. I think around about 50 bags of chemo, which would kill a horse. But my brother was a sports physio, into yeah. sports, into training all his life, tough yeah. as nails, with a fantastic attitude, very positive attitude that he was putting players back on the pitch week after week, you know, helping golfers with their with their broken elbows and then and, sure. and, and yeah. knees and stuff like that. So to make a long story short, he, he survived the chemo and then he got a mastitis in the middle of his chest, which had to be cut out 
a fairly extensive hole in the middle of his chest, which they got the lump in time. They got it literally, uh, I mean, part of a centimeter from the, the lymph nodes, which had it spread to the lymph nodes, he was gone. After that, he then developed skin cancer, two different variations, I think, of the skin cancer, two different operations for that. So he managed to survive all of that, get home, and as you know, about um, six weeks ago, he had a stroke. And he is now recovering from the stroke. His uh, eyesight's perfect, his uh, speech is perfect. And it's just a question now of walking properly again. And he hopes to join me here in, in July in Spain. Now, I mean, that, that story, Adrian, is, is of a man with an iron will who trained his body. I mean, he was in remarkable shape. And there's no way in the world he would have survived that had he not been as fit as he was, had he not been mentally as strong as he was. And, and the fitness side adds to your mental strength as well. Because you know, in the gym, we get tired, but we yeah. push through the tiredness. We're, we're in pain, but we push through the pain. Yeah? We, we, we don't really want to exercise that part again because we're stiff and sore, but we push yeah. through them. Well, he did that only on a much, much, much tougher scale in the hospital. He pushed through the pain. And I told you what he told me. When he was getting the, the, this awful bleach chemotherapy in a bag, in, in a drip in your arm, is literally a bag of bleach. It, it just kills all your blood cells. It's designed to wipe them out so they can start to regenerate them again, if you're lucky and survive it. But he put his, his, his mobile phone on a strap to his chest with Bruce Springsteen, his favorite artist on it. And he played the music. And he said he lay back and he imagined that that bleach, that chemotherapy, was actually orange juice flowing through the veins, curing him, making him better. Can you imagine that? Imagine the, the mental strength of that. I mean, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I don't know. But thank God he was and is and is now recovering from the stroke. Yeah, so we reckon now, you know, he's, he's still got five lives left or four lives left, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. It just shows the power of the mind, David. The power of having a good mentality, a good positive mindset and just believing. And yes. David, something, I mean, well, something David, can I just that you said. One, just one point there. It's impossible to have a good mindset and a good attitude if your body's in terrible, decrepit shape, if you're in pain, you know, if you're sick, if you've had operations, if you have diabetes, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot have a wonderful mindset. Absolutely. It's impossible. Body and mind is one. So the body, you know, uh, being in a, in, a, in a state of, of, let's say for all the world, a disrepair, disease, that's what that is. So when the body's diseased, the mind goes out in sympathy because your attitude, your mental state, your mentality, your outlook on life is not what it should be. It's more about dying and I'm sick and I can't do and I, you know, I have to be here. It's all about negativity when you're sick. So keep the body in great condition. It will help train you the body, keep train the mind. Train Absolutely. The mind. Absolutely. And, and David, something you told you said to me, Something that really stuck and resonated with me. Would you mind just speaking two or three minutes about it? You said confidence is a habit. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, like, like anything in, in, in life. I mean, if, if you look at what is confidence? Confidence is an emotional reaction to our experiences. You know, when you ask some people maybe to stand up in a crowded room and say a few words, they'll refuse point blank. Something in, in their self-image, something has affected them in their experiences, has affected that self-image of that individual, maybe some years before. Maybe they got up in the classroom to speak and people laughed. Maybe they got up to read when the teacher asked them to read a bit of mistake. And suddenly that individual equated that one experience with lack of confidence in that area. And that's what happens to people, you know, who, who lack confidence. It's usually as a result of negative experiences. And of course, negative experiences then lead to negative thinking, leads to negative thinking. But what I'm trying to say is that in, in the negative thinking, it becomes a habit to think negatively. Yeah. Lack of confidence is just as much a habit as, you know, a, a confident person because a confident person practices being confident every day. Like comes into the gym, gives you a high five, greets everybody, yeah. shouts at everybody, cracks a joke to everybody. He practices the art of being confident every single day. And that's why I believe whatever we do, we're, we're creatures of habits. People who have no confidence make a habit out of not having confidence because they repeat the same things or shy away from the things that would help them overcome that lack of confidence. Yeah. And if you look at what you do, Adrian, you're, you're a coach, yeah? What you're trying to do is help people to, to get a better uh, body, to build you know, a more healthy body, to develop more confidence, better self-image, yeah? The person who's got no confidence at times has no choice but to seek out a coach, to seek out help, because if they remain in that state, in that habitual thinking, in that habitual way, they will go through their entire life saying, I can't do that. I, I, I don't have the confidence to do that. But all it takes is, Remember you, you, you got into your motor car and the first time you drove down the street, you were probably terrified. Your knees were knocking, yeah. you were shaking, your hands were sweating, said, oh my God. But you had somebody with you to hold your hand, yeah? Absolutely. If you didn't, if you didn't, you wouldn't be able yeah. to continue. You'd have to get out of the car because you didn't have the confidence to drive it yourself. People who lack confidence should seek out help, should look to others to help them. I mean... If you don't have somebody to hold your hand, if you don't have somebody to help you over that little first step, then you're never going to make it because you lack that confidence and you're going to practice that habit of staying away from it every day, staying away from yeah. it. You practice the habit of going to the gym every day. There are thousands of people who practice the habit of, I'm not going to the gym every day. Yeah. I don't want to go there. No, it's too hard. I mean, no, no way. I'm sore. I'm tired. I need my sleep. Uh, you know, I have to work. I, I can't do that. Make up every other excuse under the sun. But it becomes a habit not to train. It becomes a habit not to exercise. Confidence is something that an individual develops very early on in life. I mean, let's go right back to the little baby. Can you just imagine having a baby come into the world 
ignoring the baby and putting it in a corner. No, feeding it and looking after it and that. But every time the baby got up to walk, it fell on its face. Nobody picked it up. Nobody said anything. Just put the baby back down. How long do you think it would take that baby to walk? Might, mightn't walk till it's a year old or more. Yeah. Yeah. What, do, what does the mother do for the baby when the baby falls? She reaches out and whips the baby's hands. Yeah. And she yeah. holds and steadies the baby. And the baby puts one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. And then she congratulates the baby and lifts up the baby and kisses the baby and hugs the baby. So the baby feels it's loved and comforted and, and wanted and confident. Confident. Yeah. And then, and then that's reinforced. Week after week, that's reinforced, and suddenly the baby's up yeah. and it's two feet running. And even when it falls, it knows the mother's there to give it a kiss and big hug, and everything is going to be okay. That's the problem with lack of confidence. We need somebody to tell us it's going to be okay. Let me help you take the first step. Yeah. Let me help you over this. And you've got to be thinking, I'm not confident, you know, when I, when I talk to people. I, I, I don't like working in an office because I've got to get somebody to help you. Talk to somebody. Let somebody get you into an office environment. Get a little bit of practice at it. And guess what, Adrian? That, that, that confidence soars after a couple yeah. of weeks. And that idea of been not being confident is gone. It's gone Absolutely. because you're practicing a new habit of being confident. Yeah, so David, I can, I can relate to that. So like, for instance, when I used to be... I, when you mention confidence, I feel like, you know, there is always some element of fear when you're stepping into the unknown. You know, when you're doing something new that that's outside of your comfort of zone, you got to feel the fear and yes. do it anyways. But as you said, the more repetition, the more time under the bar you get, the more the confidence is built. For me in the gym, David, I didn't have the confidence when I was starting out to go near the weights because it was something I'd never done before. I didn't know what to do and I needed yeah. guidance. So I just did what I knew what I could do. And at the time playing GAA, you're, you're able to run, you're able to cycle, you're able to row. So I just stuck to the cardio machines because I had the confidence to do those. But lifting weights, doing any of that, absolutely not. But as you said yourself, a coach, coach training in the gym. Yes. He didn't laugh at me. He didn't laugh at me, which I think is important, but he knew that I needed some help. Gave me a bit of support, had a few sessions with them, gave me a bit of a plan. And by the end of that summer, I had the confidence to do it, like to continue on and actually go to the gym on my own without someone needing to hold my hand. Yes, exactly. And be able to do it myself. But it all started out by a leader who knows the way and showed me the way. That's right. It's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. If there's any area in your life, you do lack confidence or direction in. Yeah, I mean, the human nature in us is designed to help another. If you're in trouble, if you don't have confidence in whatever area that you need confidence, reach out and ask for help. Ask for advice. You'll get tons of it. And there will be so many people that want to help you. But when you step back from it and say, well, I'm not confident, so therefore I don't do that. I won't do that. I think that's, that's very limiting. And then, of course, it becomes that self-perpetuating habit of, oh, 
speaking. No, I don't do that because I don't have confidence. Yeah. You didn't have confidence once, so I don't have confidence forever. It's a stupid way to look at your life. Yeah. It's those self-limited stories, David, that we all tell ourselves at times that we're not good enough, but you have to question them. And and the more the yeah. more often you think about them and the more often you believe in them. And as you said, it's just a case of breaking that habit. And, and as you said, yes. confidence is a habit. Having a good mindset, having a good physique, showing up to the gym, that's all a habit. And, and see, Most people, when they talk about confidence, they're really talking about how other people see them, how they react with other people. It's usually social confidence that's the biggest problem. Because we know if you're not confident playing golf, we don't really have a problem going to a golf coach. Yeah. You know? If we're not confident in football, we'd be delighted to have a football coach. But there's some kind of stigma about, you know, if we're not confident socially of having a confidence coach, somebody to help us over that. And I think it's so important that, that people understand that you're never going to get over that without some help, without some advice, without some handholding. Because if you can't practice it, how are you going to be good at it? How are you going to be confident at it? You know, even religion, you know, we have to practice our religion to become a confident Catholic or Protestant or Muslim. Absolutely. We go to church every Sunday to practice the prayer routine. Yeah, the, the, the advice the priest gives us, you know, unless you're a practicing uh, Catholic, you're not a very confident Catholic. So it's all areas of our life, all areas of our life, we have to practice. David, this has been amazing. Amazing. And just first of all, I want to acknowledge you. Well, you're you. an amazing young man. Look at you. Look at you. Well, I just well, want to Dave. say life goals. Like, honestly, for all the listeners out there, seeing, seeing David in the gym, it's it's so, so motivating. It really, really is. And and. I know I kind of shared a post in this before, like it sometimes it can irritate me when people say, you know, someone like David's been training since he's 17, he's 71 and no sign he's slowing down. And yet people kind of expect that, okay, I'm training and I can't see abs in two weeks. Is there something wrong with me? You gotta be consistent. You gotta keep it going. You gotta just get into that routine. But David, I just want to acknowledge you for being such a great role model for me. And, you know, so you're someone that I aspire to be just as in this fantastic nick and shape you're in when, when I when I uh, re reach your age, Dave. But just, um, David, what are what's just one takeaway? You're going to be better, You're going to be better, We'll strive. We'll, we'll reach for the stars at least. But, but tell me, David, what's just one takeaway that you'd like our listener to implement? Um, Fitness-wise, um, confidence-wise, lifestyle-wise. If, if there's just get one thing from this episode, what would it be? I think, you know, a little of everything you like, you like in life is good for you. Everything in moderation, a drink, you know, having a couple of pints with the lads is brilliant. Having 14 pints with the lads is stupid. So, you know, if you're going to work, you know, 20 hours a week, put your whole body and soul into 20 hours a week. But don't try to do 40 hours within 20 because you're going to strain your mind. You're going to upset yourself, upset the balance. Everything in moderation, a little bit of, of everything is good for you. 
just too much of any one thing is wrong. And, and what's happening is with too much of the good stuff, or the bad stuff rather, which, which we like, too much bad food, too much alcohol, too much cigarettes, too much drugs, and not enough of the stuff that's going to keep you alive, keep you fit, keep you well, keep you healthy. Because remember, I mean, I'm only 71. That's, I think that's young. And I'd like to see myself at 90 being just as fit and being able to, to carry on. But I know that I can't do that unless I look after my body. Yeah. Wow. I can't. I have to look after my body. It's number one priority. Because if I look after my body, my body is going to look after me and carry me forward to that age. David, last question of the day. And sure. I asked this to all our listeners. And so, David, this podcast, it's called The Lifestyle Lifter Show. The Lifestyle so, Lifter Show. The, the Lifestyle Lifter Show. So, David, would you mind sharing with us what's your definition of living a successful lifestyle? I would say that, which is, it's difficult to get into this place, but once you're in it, be happy with what you have while striving to better yourself all the time. If you're unhappy all the time with what you have and you're striving to have more, it's a very, very stressful life. Be grateful for every little thing that you have. Don't worry about the things you don't have, but that doesn't mean that you don't strive and try acquire as much as you possibly can to better yourself, to better your circumstances, to better your domestic situation, to better your married life, to better every, every part of you. But don't be unhappy while you're doing that. And I was for a long time myself, always, I would say I had, inspirational dissatisfaction I used to call it I wasn't satisfied I was I was always frustrated until I realized hey hold on a minute you know that guy that I knew and met a year ago and was in business with he's dead so come on come on you know be happy be happy right now right now this minute be happy with what you have who knows what tomorrow will bring but let's try to make tomorrow better than today that's it unbelievable Oh, this is just amazing. I, I, you, I, you, you know my attitude when I come to the gym. Yeah. When I'm at, yeah. I'm always smiling. I'm always yeah. happy. I'm always cracking jokes. It's something so have, inspired. It really is. And your energy, it passes off. Just like yeah, it's well, passing off to me on our, on our call. Just like it's passing off to other listeners. That's amazing. Sure. Well, That's hopefully, hopefully it'll be of some benefit. I mean, you, you get to be a little bit more experienced and a little bit wiser at 71. So I hope I get even smarter when I'm 91. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure. And just finally, David, for all Amy the listeners out there, yeah. for all the listeners out there, David, where can people just, you know, learn more about you, about, I know you've got some books coming out about what you offer. Um, would you mind sharing? Yeah, I, I, I kind of specialize in, in sales talk. I, I, I've been in sales and marketing all my life. And, and I love this whole sales psyche of, of, you know, what motivates people to buy? How do we get people to buy what we're selling? What makes a great salesperson? And I've written uh, a book and it's, 
you know, about the seven qualities of um, outstanding, successful salespeople, basically. And if you don't have those seven qualities, then you're going to struggle. So I wanted to publish the book two and a half months ago, and I started to publish it. And then I decided to tamper with the first chapter and edit a little bit. <laughs> and I've just finished it again. So I am definitely going to publish it by the middle of June. So where can people where can people get access to this book, David, when it comes out in mid-June? Well, for now, why don't they contact the great Adrian? And, and I'll fill you with all the details when, when I have it published. It should be for sale on Absolutely. On yeah, absolutely. Look, Perfect. In, I just want to say one other thing. You, you are an example of a young man that knows where he's going, that knows what he's doing, that's in terrific shape with the body. And, you know, I know you say, I want to be like you when you're 71. You, if you keep going the way you are, you will be in far better shape when you're 71. And try as much as you can to help other people when you're out there and you're talking to them on your podcast to get into the habit of doing what you're doing. And we can all be healthy. We don't all have to be sick, heart attacks and cancers and end up in hospitals. We, we get unlucky, sure we do, but we can do a lot to prevent that. Yeah. And you're an outstanding example of that. So well done to you too, my son. Thank you very much. <laughs> Respect is, it's mutual. You're an absolute Next time I get you into the gym, I'm going to run all over you. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> Davis, thank you so much again. Honestly, you're such, pleasure, a, such a role yeah. model. And thank you so much for your time today. David, pleasure as always. Well, Yeah. Very best of luck. Take care of yourself.